We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Striking Gold, your 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. My name's Rob Lauder. I cover the 49ers for all of you fine folks on the other end of the speaker. I appreciate you tuning in. I appreciate you being here. Happy holiday week If uh, for those of you that celebrate. And uh, I mean, I, I always am so quick to acknowledge the holidays because as a teacher, they always bring with them time off. So today is, uh, I mean, I guess you could say tomorrow, Monday, is my first day off for Thanksgiving break, which I'm obviously very excited about. And with Thanksgiving break has come a couple days of just off and on rain, and I absolutely adore the rain. We don't get it enough in Fresno. I mean, it has a the rain has a different vibe in Fresno than it does elsewhere. I mean, as you all know, most of you listening are from California, states constantly struggling with drought. Um, but Fresno and in, in the Central Valley is even more dry than most places in California. So I always love rain for many reasons. I'm excited that it's raining. I also apologize for starting the podcast off talking about the weather, which is like the ultimate, like boring, throwaway go to conversation. Like when like you're standing next to somebody and the conversation like comes to a lull and you're like, hey, how about this weather? You know what I mean? Like I literally just did that to start off the podcast and I apologize. Especially in a, in a takeaway episode that where the 49ers just beat the Buccaneers 27 to 14. Like, I thought the rain was more important than the 49ers beating the Buccaneers and moving to 7 3 and extending their lead in the NFC West. I thought the weather was more important to, than all of that. So, I mean, you guys can take that how you will. Um, you know, it could be offensive. You you might have already stopped listening. In that very case, it doesn't really matter what I say at this point. But just know that in my heart, I have exposed myself as caring more about rain than updating you on the result of the 49ers' latest football game. So I apologize. Anyways, the 49ers won. They beat the uh, Buccaneers 27-14. to One of those games, I don't want to, it's one of those games where the 49ers won. They're feeling good, but it was one of those wins that probably for them, the Buccaneers are not as good of a team as the Jaguars. Yet the 49ers absolutely trounced the Jaguars and made it a game against the Buccaneers. For 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 a good portion of this game, at least for some of this game, it felt exactly like we talked about on the podcast leading up to the game. The 49ers were letting the Buccaneers hang around just enough so that, you know, in a way that they weren't ever quite out of it. Now, I think anybody who watched that game can attest to that. Even when the score was like, oh, where were we at? I mean, it was like 27 to 7 at one point, I want to say, and then the Buccaneers immediately scored. It was like a three-play drive that involved 
you know, a, um, a, a deep play and then a pass interference and then bam, they scored. And that cut it down to two scores. And then the 49ers gave the Buccaneers another couple chances to score. And it, it just was too close. So I think it's one of those wins for the 49ers where it doesn't take the edge off. They know they're on a short week. They have to go play the Seahawks in Seattle on Thanksgiving Day. And that they're not going to leave this game feeling like they played well enough that everything's okay. Now, you would think that a team coming off of a three-game losing streak now two games ago would kind of have that fresh in their minds no matter what this game was like, knowing that they can't slip up again. Uh, Where I I just think that this is one of those wins where they didn't play quite well enough to just absolve themselves of all feeling that improvements can't be made, if that makes sense. Um, But overall, a convincing win. It never got out of hand, but in the same vein, like I said, it never really felt like the 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 49ers truly put the Buccaneers away. And we're going to get into that. Um, this, I did mention earlier that the 49ers were now one game clear of the Seahawks because they are the now six and four Seahawks are one game back from the seven and three 49ers. The Seahawks missed a game winning field goal, uh, against the, uh, the Rams today. The Seahawks traveled to Los Angeles to face the Rams. The Rams marched down the field, uh, kicked a field goal from like the five yard line to go ahead. And then the Seahawks had about a minute and 15 seconds to drive down the field. Apparently, Geno Smith got hurt in this game, injured his elbow. Um, Pete Carroll, I believe, said it was some type of elbow bruise, tricep bruise, but came back into the game to lead them uh, within field goal range. It was a long field goal, though. What was weird is the Seahawks were having a decent amount of success pushing the ball down the field. They had like 10 or 12 seconds left on the clock. More than that, actually. I think they still even had a timeout. And they chose to run it, and they gained like two yards, you know, whereas they gained like two yards. They made like a 57-yard field goal, a 55-yard field goal, whereas you could have thrown the ball and made it maybe a 45-yard field goal, and even if it's incomplete, you don't lose out on that much. But they decided to run it and use up the clock so they could give themselves enough time to kick the field goal. But even then, there was some time for the Rams afterwards because they still had to take the snap and kneel it down. It was just a weird decision by the Seahawks to not try and push the ball a little bit further down the field to have a shorter kick to win the game and their kicker missed it. And so now they are six and four. The 49ers are seven and three in control of the NFC West. If the Seahawks had won and were tied with the 49ers, the 49ers would still be in first place in the NFC West because they have a better divisional record, I believe. Um, But now not only do they own the record advantage, they own the divisional record. Um, I think they've even extended their lead in the division because of this loss to the Rams for the Seahawks. Uh, nonetheless, the first tiebreaker is record, or excuse me, obviously, if you're talking tiebreakers, then records are the same. But the first tiebreaker, I believe, is head-to-head matchup. I believe that comes before your NFC West record, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong, so saying that now. But So the 49ers really need to go into Seattle and beat the Seahawks, and then they get a longer 10-day week before they face the Eagles. And then they face the Seahawks again at Levi's Stadium. So it's a very, very crucial, very trying three-game stretch here coming up for the 49ers. All right, back to the Bucs. Um, uh, bad news. Probably should have gotten to it a little bit sooner. But, I mean, we're only seven in the It's long it's been a long time. Um, Kyle Shanahan all but confirmed today that safety, strong safety Talano Hufonga did tear his ACL. Uh, he said that that's what they fear it is. They're very concerned. Uh, They just have to confirm it later today when he can get his MRI. So just by the body language, the way he said it, it it looked all but confirmed that Hufanga did tear his ACL in the game. That could still change. I am recording this at 5.33 p.m. on November 19th, 2023, which is a Sunday. So the news could come out later tonight that he didn't actually tear his ACL or that he did either way. Uh, I'm just passing on the word that Kyle Shanahan gave us, which is unfortunate. Now, Talanoa Hufunga, I had already put on my notes before he got injured that Talanoa Hufunga is victimized too often. He misses tackles too often. He's the reason extra yards are gained too often. He's, you know, he's around a lot of plays in a negative way. 
Um, but I, overall, I still think he's a good player and a solid contributor to this defense. He's not somebody that I think brings the defense down in a way, but he does give up plays in one way or another quite often. It seems like he plays the game very quick, very reckless, you know, at times, but uh, still a significant loss for the 49ers defense that's firing on all cylinders, most of their cylinders. We'll say seven of eight, if you like V8s. Um, timing would be all off, but I'm not going to worry about that. So, but the story now is this is the first time we're going to see their third round rookie, Jair Brown, come in since they drafted him. And he immediately came in and replaced Hufanga and immediately gave up a 45-yard completion to a receiver that just simply ran right by him. Who um, Jair Brown stayed flat too long. Uh, it looked like, from the glance I saw, he kind of just ran a post right in front of him, a kind of a skinnier deep post, and ran right by Jair Brown, who should have already been in some sort of a back pedal or at least a half turn and, and started moving in the direction. He was flat-footed, and he got caught, and... That was his welcome to the NFL moment. You then proceeded to have like one of the greatest four play stretches we've seen a 49er safety have. And I don't know how long, um, but after he gave up that 44 yarder, he then broke up a pass intended for Mike Evans in the end zone. And then on the following drive, which was on fourth down, which ended that drive, he broke up the pass and it was one of those ones where he's, He's playing in man coverage and he's covering Mike Evans, who burns corners for a living, let alone a, a strong safety type. Covering a man to man. So he's turned around and he's watching Mike Evans. Keep in mind that, and this is another thing, and you guys have heard me rant about people saying to find the ball all the time. But when you are playing man coverage, you're not supposed to look for the ball. Like, you don't get to look for the ball until you are absolutely certain that. You are just in the most perfect coverage you've ever had in phase, like they call it. And then you could maybe look for the ball. But when you're in man coverage, you need to keep your eyes on the receiver. You're going to look for the ball. You're going to see the pass get completed on you. And uh, so he's tracking Mike Evans. Mike Evans go for the play. And Jagger gets Brown gets his hands up while facing away from the pass and breaks it up. It was a perfect play. Broke it up on fourth down, which reset that drive for the 49ers. The 49ers go three and out almost immediately. Uh, and then on the very next drive, getting in scoring position again because the 49ers special team gives up a 51-yard return all the way to their own 13. So we're still talking about um, Jair Brown's little series here. He's got the Mike Evans pass breakups. Then they throw a, a post right at Jair Brown. Kate Otten should have caught it and scored, but he bobbled it. And right as he bobbled it, Jair Brown hit him, jarred it loose, incomplete pass in the end zone. So that's two touchdown saves. And then uh, a couple plays later, he ends up, a ball gets tipped, bounces off the helmet of Dre Greenlaw, who was just basically tackling the, the person who the ball was thrown. But if he would have actually been kind of had his eyes up, he would have seen that the pass was thrown directly at him. It hit him in the helmet, but he was... He had his head down. He was going to make a play on the guy he knew was getting the ball. Bounces off his helmet and into the hands of a diving Jair Brown, who makes essentially the game-sealing interception in the end zone. So that was that was Jair Brown's last three plays in this game. A Mike Evans pass breakup, saving a touchdown on fourth down. A Kate Auten pass breakup, saving a touchdown. And then a Baker Mayfield interception in the end zone on fourth down, ending the game. That was his ultimate, you know, his, his, his entire welcome to the NFL moment. So that is encouraging for the 49ers. That's obviously safe to say it's not going to be like the standard. But, I mean, that was a pretty incredible start for Jair Brown. So starting with the offense, make sure I didn't miss anything else here. Starting with the offense, kind of burying the lead here because Brock Purdy is now the, I think Steve Young did it in the same year. I think Steve Young had a perfect passer rating. Then Joe Montana did it a little later in the same year, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. But Brock Purdy is the first quarterback, 49ers quarterback, since Joe Montana had a perfect passer rating in 1989. Your boy was four years old the last time a 49ers quarterback had a perfect passer rating a feat that Brock Purdy pulled off today against the Buccaneers 
in what was a absolutely surgical game in so many different ways. Purdy into the game, 21 of 25, which is uh, 84%, 333 yards, 13.3 yards per attempt. For comparison's sake, Baker Mayfield had 5.5 yards per attempt. Nine yards per attempt is very good. Baker Mayfield had 13.3 yards per attempt. Three touchdowns, no interceptions, and a perfect 158.3 passer rating. And for anybody that asks, oh, well, he had four incompletions. How did he get a perfect passer rating? Well, I don't know. I don't calculate this shit. I just see it on the screen. I see we're all talking about it. That's the fucking deal. Excuse me. Sorry. Earmuffs, children. I'm sorry. Come back, guys. Come out. I'll, I'll clean it up. Come back. Sit down. Come back. But impressive. I mean, the dude is just, he's good. He's great. He's very good. He's very great. Whatever you want, whatever word you want to tag to it. But I mean, yeah, he had his little slump. Uh, you know, of course, all good quarterbacks go through stuff like that at random points throughout a season. It's just, it's crazy. And even if you go back and look at those games, in the Minnesota game, he was playing very, very well. And even in the Bengals game, he was playing pretty well. Like, at no point was he really just melting down. The Browns game, that was tough. Uh, Even then, he he put the team in position to win with a a last-minute drive. So it's very difficult to be down on Purdy right now. Let me see if ESPN... Has Brock Purdy, ESPN is usually, sorry, I'm a little further from the mic right now. Usually one of the only sites that has the stats from the latest game really quickly. Let let me see. Okay, it's got Tampa Bay on there. So it looks like they're included. Let me add this up. 3-3. Recent game, see all. I'm just adding up his touchdowns to confirm. 6, 7, 8, 9, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Am I doing that right? 4, 5, 9, 10, 11, 12. Yeah, okay, so they haven't included yet. They have the game sitting here, but it's not a part of the totals. Well, let me just add it up, Robert, you idiot. 2, 4, 5, 9, 10, 11, 12. So Brock Purdy has now completed, thrown 18 touchdowns with five interceptions on the season, all of them in that three-game stretch. And in every other game this season, he has committed no turnovers. He has now thrown for 2,660 yards, I believe. And he's completing right around 70% of his passes. So let's say as of now... Through Brock Purdy's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 games, he's completing 2,660 yards, 2,660 yards, 18 touchdowns, 5 interceptions, about 70% completion percentages, a quarterback, a passer rating of about 115. Pretty damn impressive. Pretty damn impressive. And that's just statistically, that's not watching the game. That's not watching the way he plays football and the way he scrambles around the pocket and the way he is so hesitant to run past the line of scrimmage because he wants to buy every single second he can to throw the ball down the field. He threw one of his best passes as a 49ers quarterback today, flew about 45 yards through the air into the hands of Brandon Ayuk, who had created plenty of separation uh, against his corner, who kind of knew his the only thing he could do at that moment was to jump. He turned around, you know that that if you go back and watch that play, it's a perfect example of what happens when a corner in man coverage turns around and looks for the ball because he was already beat. He was already beat, but he was about a yard to a yard and a half behind Ayuk, maybe two yards, and then he turns around to find the ball. And you can instantly see that gap grow to about three or four yards because he turns around, which means you're stomping, running. He jumps, he puts his hands up. Maybe he saw that as his last resort. But you can see just how quickly turning around and looking for the ball will damage you. And everybody just loves to throw that out on a broadcast. Oh, he didn't turn around and look for the ball. No, you're talking about a pass interference where he's running into the receiver. You don't always turn around and look at the ball. 
Um, and it was a great route, great release by Brandon Ayuk, a perfect throw from Brock Purdy. Like I said, flew about 45 yards in the air, landed right into Brandon Ayuk's arms, who really didn't have to slow up much. And he took it to the house for, I believe, a 78-yard touchdown, which was the longest completion, the longest touchdown completion in the NFL this season thrown by Purdy. He has more plenty. I think he has more 20 plus yard completions than any other quarterback in the NFL. And I think his completion percentage on those throws is more than any other quarterback in the NFL. If I heard Matt Mayoko correctly in the post game, it's, it really is quite incredible. Like I, I just, we can't, I can't talk about it enough. How impressive it is that the last pick in the NFL now with a lot of games on tape. I mean, if you're including last season, he's got, and the playoffs, he's got like 20 games on tape now, something like that. There's nothing about him that's surprising people anymore. This is just the way he's playing. And the Bucks defense is solid. Now their one weakness was against the pass and Brock Purdy diced him up, which is what you should do. You should be able to exploit a defense's weakness. And Purdy did that and looked just outstanding doing it. He looks so comfortable. Sometimes he looks bored. Look at his facial expressions. Anytime they show a close-up of Purdy, the dude just looks straight up bored. Had one play, Debo Samuel. He just kind of evaded some pressure, rolled out to the right, and just started jogging, waiting for somebody to come open. I think Debo was coming across the field. He waited, waited, waited. Purdy's at this time, he's now halfway to the sideline, and then bam, throws it to a wide-open Debo Samuel who had nobody within about six, seven yards of him, and uh, and he creates some yards after the catch. It's just... When, when Kyle Shanahan was asked if there's anything Purdy can't do, all he said was, I mean, I don't think he can run a 4-3. We can't really do like wildcat stuff with him. Like, And he said it jokingly, just acknowledging the fact that Purdy has turned this 49ers offense into just, I mean, here's where I think a lot of people miss the mark when it comes to their criticisms or their attempts to explain Purdy is, they always fall into the trap of blaming, for lack of a better word, attributing Purdy's success mostly to Kyle Shanahan's offense. When right now, when you watch these games, I think Kyle Shanahan's offense is successful mostly because of Brock Purdy. I think that Brock Purdy's play has significantly elevated Kyle Shanahan's offense to the point where I think Purdy has just as much of a share in the success as Kyle Shanahan's scheme does. It's just how I feel watching these games. You'll have to tell me if, if you agree. But I think that uh, I think Purdy's gotten to a point, and you can see the 49ers offense does not play well when Purdy doesn't play well. It's not as if Kyle Shanahan's scheme can somehow provide, you know, survive when Purdy is struggling. So it's not like he has this safety net to fall back on. That if he's not having a great game, things will still go okay. Oh, we can just run the ball. Purdy's not on today. That in no way have we seen that. When the 49ers struggle, it's because Purdy's not playing well in some way or another. It, you know, so I, I think that this offense now is just as much Purdy's as it is Shanahan's. And the dude just threw a perfect game in NFL terms. On the receiving end of that perfect game was, of course, Brandon Ayuk, who I think he had one. Yeah. He was targeted six times and had five catches. The one time he didn't catch the ball, it was slightly overthrown by it was overthrown by Purdy. But Brandon Ayuk still got way up in the air and was able to touch it with one hand and almost tipped it to himself. But Brandon Ayuk had his best game as a pro: five catches for 156 yards and one touchdown. Obviously, also featuring his longest catch of his career at 76 yards. I mean. I think at this point, uh, let me let me double check. I think Brandon Ayuk has about over a little bit more than thirty catches, uh, over eight hundred yards, and four touchdowns at this point. He's he's well on his way to having another thousand, twelve hundred, maybe thirteen hundred yard season. Um, 
he is a number one receiver. He's the 49ers number one receiver. He is that guy. And the 49ers need him. I don't know how they're going to pay him, but I really think they need to pay him. And again, it's up to people smarter than me to determine how, just how much they're willing to scrape by or just who they're willing to cut in order to keep a guy like Ayuk. But you just can't watch the 49ers play without realizing his importance to this offense. Like, if if the if the average 49ers play with Ayuk, let's say is kind of like, you know, let's let's just look at Purdy's yards per attempt. Purdy's yards per attempt in this game was 13.3 with Ayuk. If Ayuk's not in this offense, I think that number drops significantly. Now you can you can take whatever number you want, but I think the 49ers potency there, the offense's big playability or just average yards per play drops significantly without Ayuk. I have no scientific data to balance that, back that up, but I would be willing to bet, uh, uh, bet something, some some monies, that this offense is far less potent with Brandon Ayuk. And when I say potent, I just mean like your average gain is significantly less when Ayuk's not out there. The dude just he provides the offense from like the fifteen to the thirty yard range, whereas. Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey and George Kittles, and he still obviously has had some big plays. But I think they all excel in that 0 to 15 range. Brandon Ayuk excels in that 15 to 30 range. The dude is just, how often is Ayuk open on a crosser 20 yards downfield and he takes it upfield for 30 to 35? You know, it's just, he adds a another level to this offense. He's like, you know, the with with McCaffrey, with Kittle, with Debo, they've got like level one and two covered, and Ayuk's got level three covered. Like he adds an entire another level that kind of can directly be attributed to him. I understand this isn't like the the greatest football like jargon, but you guys know what I'm trying to say. So Brandon Ayuk was was a huge benefactor of Brock Purdy's perfect game. But the 49ers offense wasn't perfect. If you look at their possessions in the second half, I mean to me, here's where the 49ers offense has a major needs improvement. I'll just read you their possessions. In the first play, first drive of the game, they punted after five plays. Then they went touchdown, field goal, field goal, touchdown, touchdown. Now, here's the fourth quarter. Three plays, punt. Three plays, punt. Seven plays, turnover on down on a fourth and one that's just... To me, inexcusable to give up in today's NFL when you got the tush push, which is a horrible name, but you all know what it is, so I'm using it. So if you're looking at one massive, to me, needs improvement from today's offensive output, it's whatever was going on in the fourth quarter. Because they have got to be able to put games away. If you have a fourth quarter like that in the playoffs, or God willing, in the Super Bowl, you will lose. Because the team that you will be going against has the offensive wherewithal to score in those positions. And so do the 49ers, but they have to execute. You can't put together three quarters like that and then finish with punt, punt, turnover on downs. You've got to be able to put games away. And so wherever we're at, you know, and there were some things that got out of control. Purdy took a sack where he seemed like he held on to the football just a little too long. Uh, there was some penalties that set him, you know, it, it really doesn't matter because all of that falls under the umbrella that is Kyle Shanahan. But if you're going to point out a flaw in the offensive performance from today, it's finishing the fourth quarter like that and, and putting your defense in a position to where they have to continually make fourth down stops and game ceiling interceptions when you could just go score points and put the game out of reach. Now, the 49ers play complimentary football, so you know the defense makes up for what the offense lacks at any moment, or at least that's how it's supposed to be. But um, I think the 49ers do deserve some criticism for struggling both in the red zone and struggling to put games away. In that position, when you're up like that, you've got to put games away. So, I wish I'd show the, 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 the current score on this chart. Anyways. Let's keep going. Yeah, the 49ers had a fourth and one around midfield, and they called like some McCaffrey run with Debo motion. And Debo was actually, actually like uh, lead blocking right next to Trent Williams. And there were like three Tampa Bay defenders there, and Christian McCaffrey couldn't fight for the yard. He was hella pissed. He was throw the iPad pissed. Um, 
And it's just kind of inexcusable. And you can't gain one yard when you know there's a – now, I, I also don't blame the 49ers for not wanting to do a quarterback sneak after Brock Purdy's concussion came on a quarterback sneak where he was kind of trying to drive over the pile and just got clocked in the head by a linebacker jumping over in the opposite direction. So the 49ers really need to improve on their red zone offense, and they need to improve late in the game when they, when they need to put stuff away. The score, the score in this game, and you know the defense. Had, we'll get to the defense. The defense had moments like this too, where they could have sealed the game away in their own fashion. But the score to this game should have been thirty-four fourteen, and, and the very best forty-one to fourteen. But the 49ers were settling for field goals quite often. Um, at least, you know, at least two of them, at least two times, and then did absolutely nothing in the fourth quarter. You look at the net yards in four drives for the 49ers in the fourth quarter, they gained 67 yards total between all four fourth quarter drives. Now one, the last drive was two plays and it was them kneeling out the ball, but you're talking three yard drive, three yard drive, 33 yard drive, and that's it. So before that point, they were 80 yards, 46 yards, 61 yards, 98 yards, 79 yards. If you're looking for a critique of that offensive performance, there it is. Defense, well, defense, well, did well, played great, win the team, score the games, win the points. Um, the defense was stubborn. They they were the epitome of bending and not breaking. If you look at the Buccaneers' possessions, started with a three and out. Forced to fumble on the following drive when the Buccaneers were in the 49ers side of the field. Nick Bosa was taking down Baver Mayfield. Fred Warner comes up, punches the ball free. On the following drive, the Bucs had a 10-play, 70-yard drive for a touchdown, and then it's halftime. And then they went punt, punt, touchdown, turnover on downs, interception, turnover on downs. So you can see throughout the game there is consistent defensive success. But even then, you're talking about a defense that – uh, Dre Greenlaw dropped what should have been a fairly easy pick six. Fred Warner jumped up, tipped a pass that I'm sure as hell not going to say should have been picked, but it's something Fred Warner probably says to himself, oh man, I could have gotten that. Deshaun Gibson had a pick in his own end zone, um, but instead collided with Charvarius Ward. You know, stuff like that happens. They're both just looking at the ball. But there, sh- there were a couple, at least a couple picks in there that also should have been been reeled in that hit the ground. And that's kind of just life in the NFL as a defense. But 49ers just played an interesting game. The Bucs were still able to convert 50% of their third downs. Now, a lot of those came in kind of like the final drive where you can tell the 49ers are playing a little too off for my liking. Uh, They were kind of just letting – the Bucs just kept running like eight or nine yard outs and hitches and just completion, completion, completion. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In terms of offense, though, let's go look at the Bucks' offensive consistent. The Bucks only averaged 3.7 yards per carry, which is right around what they averaged. They're not a good rushing offense. Uh, Rashad White was held mostly in check. He's had huge games in the past when it comes to um, catching screens when it comes to breaking out big plays. The 49ers held him in check for the most part. Baker Mayfield threw the ball 45 times, but was only able to complete 29 of them for 246 yards. That's only 5.5 yards per attempt, one touchdown, one interception, and a 76.7 rating. Compare that to Brock Birdie's 158.3. Um, a, a solid boost for them was Mike Evans. He did have 12 targets. Mike Evans had 12 targets but only caught five of them. So the 49ers did a good job of holding Mike Evans in check. He did score on a short touchdown that they threw from like the one-yard line. Mike Evans had 43 yards, and Chris Godwin had 39 yards. So held both of them to, what is that, 82 yards combined? Um, That's impressive. They're both good receivers. They're both solid receivers, and they held their yards per catch uh, pretty low, probably one of their lowest numbers of the season. Godwin had 6.5 yards per reception. Evans, 8.6. So it was was an impressive outing for the secondary. For the first time in maybe ever, we saw Charvarius Ward truly getting picked on. Like, we've seen him give up catches. We've seen him um, draw flags. We've seen him struggle. We've seen him excel. Uh, But at at one point, the Buccaneers, I think, went at Charvarius Ward, Ward, excuse me, like four, five, six plays in a row. And like four or five of them were completed for about eight to nine yard games. Now, we don't know the defensive scheme. We don't know what Wilkes is calling and where he wants his corners to line up. You know, it was kind of towards the end of the game. And I think they were just trying to keep things in front of them and not give up a quick score, which is fine. But then, you know, you're giving up gain after gain after gain after gain. Let me see if I can actually find this in the playlist. I'm just trying to find that series. See if I can find it. These are Purdy passes. These are Baker Mayfield passes. That's when things got out of hand. Here's when he's intercepted by Jair Brown. So I think it was in front of that. Let me see. I'm just trying to find the series to see if I can really kind of emphasize it. No, that's okay. Baker May. Okay, here's a bunch of Baker Mayfield passes in the fourth quarter. All right, so you've got a pass short right to Mike Evans for 12 yards with Charvarius Ward in coverage. And then you've got another pass short right to, to Chris Godwin with Charvarius Ward in coverage. And then you've got a run up the middle. And then you got another pass short middle to Palmer with Charvarius Ward in coverage. Actually, no, that was um, thrown up the middle and Fred Warner made the tackle. Okay, next play. Another one to Chris Godwin for uh, eight yards with Charvarius Ward in coverage. Uh, a few plays later, you've got another one to Chris Godwin for 11 yards with Charvarius Ward in coverage. Uh, let me see if there's any. So eventually you come to the. Uh, yeah, OK, OK, I think that's it. And there's another one up here where, you know, so there was like in this one drive, Charvarius Ward was targeted like four or five or six times and gave up like five catches. So it was again, it seemed like he was playing soft. He may have been required to play soft. Uh, just trying to protect the end zone, but it was it's disconcerting to watch a team uh, gain eight to nine yards to 12 yards of play with very little resistance because you could only do that like five or six times and now they're in the end zone. So it was a little weird to watch a team truly go at Ward over and over and over and over. And every now and then they do another play and then they go back to Ward again. So it was, it was a little odd. I, I, Again, I'm not down on Ward. He's made just as many plays as he's given up. and His reputation is kind of on the fence among 49ers fans. He he does give up penalties, but he does make plays. We've seen him make pass breakups in the end zone. He did make pass breakups in this game. We can take a a walk over to the defensive statistics. And Charvarius Ward finished with a second-best nine tackles, uh, one tackle for loss, and two pass breakups. Jair Brown... (laughs) (laughs) Jair Brown just gets into the game in like the second half and immediately has four combined tackles, three pass breakups, one interception. (laughs) Good for him. Good for him. So it was a little bit of weird. The uh, defensive front was okay. They ended up having four total sacks, which is solid. It 
it was an up and down game for the defensive front. There was a lot of times where I could tell that people on in, in the Twitter comments or X, excuse me, we're saying, man, we got to get some pressure on the quarterback. Well, they, you also need to pay attention to how quickly the quarterback is throwing the ball because on a lot of these completions, like the ones we were just talking about to Ward, they were throwing the ball in like late ones to early twos, like in terms of seconds, which one 1,000, two 1,000. Most pass rushes do not get home that fast. You have to like absolutely abuse your man or get you know a busted protection where you're unblocked essentially. You just don't get home that fast. So again, the the problem with the 49ers right now is not that they can they can't generate pressure. It's that quarterbacks are able to get the ball out so quickly that that pressure pressure can be negligible, or at least negated to an extent. But again, that's you could I could only talk about that so much because they did come away with four sacks. Nick Bosa had one. Chase Young had one. Like two plays later, to pretty much put the game away. Uh, Eric Armstead got one and should have gotten another one, but he just couldn't get his footing. Um, little Dre Greenlaw shared one and Fred Warner shared one. So pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. Sorry, just had something come up on my phone that I'm just making sure was not 49ers related. So not the not a perfect outing for the offense or the defense, but good enough to where they can feel good about themselves, but still go about this week like they're not king shit and they don't fall into the same trap that they had already admitted they fell into after they they pushed around the Cowboys and then all of a sudden thought that they can just walk through the NFL and boom, 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 they lose three straight. So still an overall a very impressive game for the 49ers, but one that should have been more impressive and it's kind of one that keeps keeps the edge sharp, if you know what I mean. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to actually, before we move on to your takeaways, let's go over my prize picks, which were frustratingly close. Okay. Just to update you, I ended up going with a four pick power play. And if you don't know what prizepicks.com, maybe we should start with that. Maybe we should start with prizepicks.com is it's daily fantasy sports. It's, it's placing your entries on two to six players uh, it all revolves around stack projections. Are they going to score more or less than a touchdown? Are they going to score more than less of a certain amount of receiving yards, more or less targets? There's a ton of options for what you want to kind of, you could even bet on how many times Mish Wisnowski is going to punt, place an entry on that. You can include how many field goals Jake Booty's going to make, who made two today. But prize fix is a ton of fun. Um, what I like the best is the fact it's just so simple. You can make an entry like it's, Five minutes before Monday Night Football and you want to play some prize picks, you can get an entry in before the game starts. And no problem. Um, all this happens at prizepicks.com slash gold. And if you use the code gold, they're going to give you a first deposit match of up to 100 bucks. Okay, prizepicks.com slash gold, code gold. Okay, my entries. Um, I made a Monday Night Football entry, went three for three on that one and one out. I thought I was going to make today's happen. It went pretty damn well. Rashad White, I had him with for less than 74 and a half rush plus receiving yards, and he did do that. He only had 58, so boom, green there. Christian McCaffrey, I had him for I had him to get one rushing touchdown, and he didn't get one. He did get one through the air, so they got me there. I needed Debo Samuel to get four more yards in any way, rush or receiving, and I would have at least one on the flex. Um, but he never got the ball again after his big play, which is weird, especially on when you when you think about the plays you could dial up for Debo taking something around the end on fourth and one that would have been a lot more successful than what they called. Um, so I was four yards shy of De- of winning this prize fix. It would have been in a flex fashion, you know, which is less impressive, less fun. Uh, I had Brock Purdy throwing for less than twenty nine and a half attempts, and he threw for twenty five. So it's crazy that Brock Purdy can throw for 330 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, perfect pass rating with only 25 attempts. Pretty awesome. That's pretty dialed in. So I'm not beating myself up too much in this week's uh, prize fix. I felt pretty good about it. I was four yards away from it. Probably could have continued to smash that Brandon Ayuk number. Every every number they've listed Brandon Ayuk as, he continues to surpass it over and over. Not Maybe not over and over because didn't I? No, I went with reception numbers and not yardage. Anyways, not a bad week on prize picks, but in the end, still a loser. Still a freaking loser. All right, let's get to your takeaways, folks, because I love you and uh, I just can't wait to read them. I should have already pulled them up, but right now I'm going to go ahead and pull up my X tab 
and I'm going to pull up my profile. I'm going to scroll down slightly. I'm going to go to takeaway time. There it is. Okay, let's start at the bottom this time. We are starting with Chris. Says, I know you're not a psychic. How do you know that? Chris, how do you know I'm not a psychic? I mean, if I was one, I'd probably be the worst one in existence with all this, all the silly shit I say on this podcast. But how do you know that? Anyways, sorry. How do you see the Eagles game playing out? I am still reeling in anger and sadness over the NFC Championship game. Also, where would we be without Fred Warner? Man, no shit. My little sister texted me today, Madison Louder. Shout out to Maddie. And she asked me, who would you take at their at their best, Patrick Willis or, or Fred Warner? And my answer was simply, I think Patrick Willis is probably a little better in his prime, but in today's NFL, I'm taking Fred Warner. Just given how much more versatile linebackers are forced to be in today's NFL, I'm, I'm taking Fred Warner nowadays. Um, not a slight to Patrick Willis in the slightest. But Fred Fred Warner is undoubtedly, I, I think many would still say he's the best linebacker in the NFL, and he's one of the, is he a top three linebacker in, in all time, 49ers? Gotta be. I mean, maybe he's behind Patrick Willis and ahead of Navarro Bowman or whatever order you want to put it in. Y'all get the point. I, I don't mean to slight to any 49ers linebacker. How do I see the Eagles game playing out? I could see the Eagle game, Eagles game playing, allowed, playing out a lot like how this Bucks game just played out in the fact that I think I don't think the Eagles can can handle the 49ers weaponly weaponry through the air. I'd have to do some more, just a little more research on how the Eagles are doing against the run, how they're doing through the air. But I think the 49ers have the weapons to to outmatch the Eagles. But then again, the Eagles have the weapons to come at the 49ers too. You're talking about Devonta Smith and AJ Brown, Devonte Smith, AJ Brown, um, Dallas Goddard. You know they have weapons too. I think that Purdy's playing better than Jalen Hurts. I mean, if you don't want to call him an overall better quarterback than Jalen Hurts, that's on you. I think he's playing better than Hurts right now. I think the 49ers are the better team, but the Eagles are so good at just grinding out tough games. They are capable of playing a very tough brand of football. And you know that if they get third and two or fourth and two or fourth and three, third and four, one, they are coming at you with a play that you probably cannot stop. So, you know, they, they have an edge to them, to the way they play that I really respect. Um, I understand that that last year probably left a sour taste in your mouth, but I think the Eagles play a respectable brand of football and they know how to win hard games for sure. John David, it's time for people. It's time for people need to put more respect on Brock's name. He has been dealing all caps. Also, the defense has been coming up big when needed. It's been refreshing after those three straight losses. And he corrected himself on this on the spelling. It's time for people to put respect on Brock's name. Um, I think for the most part, I think your 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 average NFL analyst, NFL fan, I wouldn't say NFL fan. I mean a lot of them are just so fanatical that it's like relax champion. But I think Purdy is getting respect. Um, I still think there's people out there that just can't wrap their head around the fact that a number one overall or number, the number one overall pick the, whatever the opposite of that is the last pick in the draft can be good. You know, it kind of gets egg on their face for a lot of them who do a lot of draft content, you know? And, and so I'm not going to say it's it's their pride that gets in the way, but and they all just want to heap it all on Kyle Shanahan. You know, it's it's kind of lazy, but I mean, there's no way a performance like today against a solid Bucks defense with some solid linebackers and some a solid defensive line gets ignored. So hopefully, people can figure it out. I'm not saying you need to anoint Brock Purdy as anything. Like, just know that he's very good. Lambadeus, Kyle Shanahan does not know how to close games. Well. There you go. We talked about it. And I would agree with you to the extent. I mean, there are some historical games that Kyle Shanahan has closed. And there's some very obvious games that I won't bring up for the sake of old wounds for anybody that follows Kyle Shanahan's career that where he, he hasn't closed. And then you go and look at today's game that he and his offense could have closed. And instead, they put together a punt, punt, 
turnover on downs fourth quarter. So I think that there is some truth to that. You know, it's hard to explain the remedies. It's hard to explain, you know, you'd have to, I'm not saying that Kyle Shanahan can't close a game, but he does struggle to close games. And we've seen that. David PM, Rob, I hope I am wrong, but I believe this year what will cost us the big game will be the defense. Well, I mean, you got to understand too, that's not that much of an indictment. Saying that is not that much of a slap in the face to, to Steve Wilkes and the 49ers defense. It's, it's how the NFL is set up. You know, like everything is set. They're even, oh my God. Like, I don't know if you guys saw my tweet, but my ex, excuse me. But I was just making fun of somebody that tweeted that, oh, the hip drop tackle claims another ankle. And you're just like, wow, you said football, you said body part with football thing. And I think I wrote like arm forward throw, you know, foot, foot forward. I don't know, but let me go find it. But, you know, you've got people out there that believe that that way of tackling some for some reason needs to get banned, you know, like that people are actually tackling in a way that purposefully injures players. Like, yeah, I wrote hip drop tackle claims another, and I wrote arm forward throw, hands together catch, leg forward step. Look, I could name Randy body parts doing football things too. It's just people that have either played no football or it's been too long since they've played football or they just – they just make up the dumbest shit, like uh, like the name hip drop tackle and how it should somehow be banned. And it's like, do you have any idea what it's like to tackle somebody or play defense or maybe like even a remedial physics degree or some type of education that would elaborate to your own proclivities that you can't just start banning everything about a full contact sport and what, what most what might be the most violent sport in the world. I don't know. I mean, not true violence. Y'all know what I'm saying. So, you know, it just seems like things are set up for defenses to fail. So trailing back to our takeaways, David, I don't necessarily think it wouldn't, wouldn't necessarily surprise me if the defense being beaten up was the way the 49ers lost, you know, but the 49ers offense is, is capable of playing at a pace that should outpace pretty much every other offense in the NFL. I don't care that the Dolphins have scored 70 points. They scored like 20 today against the Raiders. I think that the 49ers have one of, if not the best offenses in the NFL, and they should be able to relieve the 49ers defense from time to time. They can't have an on an on game every week. They're going to have down games and the 49ers offense needs to be able to compensate for that. You can't always say, well, the defense is there to pick up the scraps when, when the offense has a bad game, you should be able to say the inverse, you know, when the 49ers defense uh, get schemed up and, or diced up, then the offense can can maintain a lead. You know what I mean? So, but I don't think you, you're crazy for saying that a defense will cost us the big game this year. They've shown a vulnerability that we've seen. They're not as they're. I don't even know if you want to call the 49ers defense elite at this point. They are creating turnovers. They are they are making plays. But when in terms of like a base statistical output, like yards per carry and yards per attempt, stuff like that. The 49ers defense has not been great. Now, in terms of points allowed, where it's the most important and yards allowed, stuff like that, I think they're still up there. But we, what we've seen is, is obviously not the same. Sograz says there was a stretch there when the D looked way too much like the D from before last week, but came alive to finish. Wishing uh, Hufanga a good recovery. Time for the rookie to step up. Offense continues to cook. No team is perfect. If Birdie continues to play well, it it can play with the best. And and this goes to show you how how tightly the hashtag striking gold fam is intertwined with our ways of thinking right now. Like like my like my thoughts directly blend into your guys's takeaways now. Like we've seen it like two or three times already, and I've only hit like four or five takeaways. Um, so yeah, I, I do think the 49ers offense, uh, is, is among the best in the league, if not the best. Um, and I do agree that there was a stretch there in this game where it looked like the defense was playing just like they would against the Vikings, against the Bengals, 
man, crazy how things just absolutely imploded for the Bengals in the worst way. Joe Burrow goes from dicing up the 49ers defense to being out for the season with a, a wrist thing that they didn't report on the injury. I don't know. It just got weird for the for the Bengals so quickly. Got to feel for him. So, yeah, they, that's what I mean when I'm talking about this game and I say there's there was just a, an inconsistency to it, a sloppiness to it that I think the 49ers defense will be able to watch on film and still just tighten it up a bit. I do agree with you. El Jefe should not have felt this close. I agree. Nice to see the defense step up when the game is on the line. Why do we keep getting beat on those quick out passes? See, this is what I'm talking about. My thoughts and our takeaways are aligned. This is special shit here, guys. We're in this together. Ain't fuck around. Earmuffs. Sorry, come come back. Anyways. You know, I don't know. There's routes that receivers can run that are, you know, designed for the corner to fail. And I think if I had to just throw up a reason, and I've already talked about it, is I'm assuming the 49ers wanted their corners at about 8 to 10 yards. Don't get beat deep. Keep everything in front of you. You know, if we if they want to throw an 8-yard pass and we tackle them in bounds and the clock keeps running, then they can have that. I think that was their line of thinking right there. But to me, whenever you see a defense do that, when does it ever really work? When they soften up big time, like, yeah, you're right. It, it did keep them from scoring, and they did end up eventually turning it over. But they just marched right down the field, and they and they got near the end zone. It's like, I think teams too often stray away from what's already been working. You know what I mean? They get in a situation where they're like, we have to just prevent a deep ball right now. Well, you haven't been giving up a deep ball. They did a couple times down the seam. But you know what I mean? Like, if you're not already giving up big plays, then keep playing the same defense you're already playing because you guys have already shown they're up to the task. You know, so it's there's a lot of times when defenses get into that real soft coverage and you're like, why did you change? Everything was okay already. You know, and it's it. I understand the intent, but sometimes it just seems a little faulty. Like, just keep going with what's already working. Tramer. Offense struggling to close out the game. Glad you guys noticed too. Before CMC miss on fourth and one, I believe three possessions, no time ran off. Well, let's look. Let's look at those possessions. Okay, they got the ball at 14-16, and then they punted the ball away at 12-25. So that's less than two minutes taken off the clock. The next time they got the ball, they got it at 639 and then they punted it away at 4:12. So about 2 minutes taken off the clock. And then the next drive, they got it at 3:38 and then gave it up at 2:13. So immediately gave it back. So and that was the turnover on Downs one. So they only used a minute. Now there was obviously some timeouts in there. I think some of them were the, their own, but yeah, it's they didn't they did struggle to close out this game. They did. They're just lucky the defense was down. Johan Struson 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 I'm going with Struson. Final answer, punching it in. You know, fucking Jeopardy. Great win. Pretty flawless with great additions from my Yukon Kittle. I'm worried Hufanga's done for the season though, which will be a huge blow. It'll be a significant blow. I think Hufunga's probably playing better than we give him credit for. But he uh, again, before he even got hurt, I'd already tweeted about his ankles being broken, and I'd already written down in my notes that it seems like he gives up one too many plays a game at least. Um, but that doesn't make the loss not significant. We'll just have to see what Jair Brown does. Uh, you know, and at least you're talking about a player that plays a little closer to the line of scrimmage. You know, I think that a season ending injury to like a Deshaun Gibson to Sean Gibson would be much more consequential. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. I, I don't want to act like his the loss, which is expected, is 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 nothing. Uh Ant Shar, Brock has really bounced back after those couple of rough weeks, shown so much growth. Game was closer than it needed to be, but fair play to the Bucks for hanging where others haven't. I think that's a great way of putting this. And we talked about it earlier in the week. The Bucks are just good enough to make this a game without, you know, 
to make this a game with without really the 49ers doing anything wrong. They could just hang in it. And and Baker Mayfield is playing in that real scrappy way. He's playing a lot better than people are getting him giving him credit for. And the Bucs were always just talented enough to hang around if the 49ers let them. And they did for the most part. You know, they put it away. But um, I, I think some of that, like you said, I think some of that credit needs to go to the Bucs and just the way they're playing football right now. But And a little bit of that should be aimed at the 49ers in the form of criticism, criticism for not putting it away. Mike McVay, Warner was lights out on defense. He is really, really good. I remember they did that play where it was uh, like a reverse to the left. To the Bucks sideline, it was either reverse or an end around, a sweep, and Warner just <laughs> like just flew up and it stopped it for like either no gain or a loss of one. It looked like there was plenty of space for him to run, and Warner just flies up, and it was on the Bucks sideline too. So you know those people are watching, just going, "Damn, like that is a linebacker." That pass interference on him was bullshit. I did think it was a little ticky tack. What was funny though is. Warner did like forearm check him and the tight end just went flying. Now, I don't know if it was a flop or Warner really is just that powerful. I've said about Warner before. You guys probably remember me saying this, but when I first saw Warner in person, whether in the locker room or at practice, like, like really saw him in person up close, that dude is huge. Like he's listed as six, three, he's probably closer to six, four. And he just like, he is an intimidating dude. He looks like the predator. He is tall. He's extremely athletic, extremely in shape, very, you know, muscular, but still like the dude looks like a pass rusher that just happens to play linebacker. It's wild. Back to Mike McVay. Purdy was an absolute stud on the offense. Always love a win, but need to clean up penalties. And yeah, penalties. Let's go see where those ended up. I was keeping track of them during the game, but it was not a good game for the 49ers with penalties. They had seven penalties for 66 yards. Compare that to the Bucks, who had three penalties for 19 yards. That needs to be cleaned up. So good point, Mike McVay. Um, and would like the offense to finish longer drives, especially with who we play for the next three weeks. Go Niners. Yeah, they're going to have to finish drives against the Seahawks. They're going to have to finish drives against the Eagles. And they're going to have to finish drives in the playoffs where they want to go. So uh, I, that's that's too that's that is valid. Uh, too fresh. Jair Brown allows that huge bomb in his first play, replacing Hunt uh, Hufunga. Ends the game with three pass breakups and a pick. Hashtag striking gold fan. He looks like an absolute dog, and I look forward to seeing him and Huff man that backfield. And he included the absolute clutch um, dumb and dumber gif, uh, you know, where he's talking about, you know, you do something you, after, you know, just when I thought it couldn't be any more stupid. You do something like this and totally redeem yourself. And that he's referring to uh, the Browns giving up that huge play and then bam, 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 made up for it. I love it. I love it. Totally redeem yourself. Such a classic. Absolute classic. Samsonite. I was way off. Those your skis? Both of them? Um, Kirsten, last but certainly not least on the takeaways, losing Talano Hufunga for the season makes this win really bittersweet. Uh, it does. It does. The game should have been sealed twice over as well. Two missed interceptions and that fourth and one play. But glad we came out on top before the stretch facing us next three games. See, we're on the same we're all on the same page here, guys. That's why takeaway time is so special. Preserve it at all costs. Make sure you guys are not only replying to it, but retweeting it too, so we can spread it throughout the NFL world. We know it's special. We've been here for it. We've seen its rise. Let's continue to expand its reach. All right. I think that's it. 49ers now seven and three prepare to face the Seahawks this Thursday on Thanksgiving. I believe the game is at five 20 in the evening in Seattle. Big game for the 49ers. Uh, keep an eye out on the injury report. Uh, obviously I'll come at you with a podcast before the game, but um, Geno Smith has an elbow injury. Safe to say he probably won't be a hundred percent, but he may or may not play. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening to Striking Gold. Um, if you, again, pricepicks.com slash gold, use that promo code gold. Um, if you want to leave the podcast a little bit more support, leave us a five-star review. Tell us tell us how you feel. Um, ask a question if you want. I'll, again, I'll always, whatever, whenever I read it, I'll put it in the next podcast. I promise. 
but anyways, I appreciate you. You're here. You're listening. That's all that matters. Uh, I will see you guys. It's on Thursday, so I will probably record our episode on Tuesday night, probably, so that you guys can have it Wednesday morning and uh, not just like day of the game. So appreciate you guys. As always, as always, I appreciate you guys, but you already know what it is. For another episode, I'm Rob. This is Striking Gold, and we are signing out.